0: What up Hyperchange? Welcome to another episode. I hope you can hear me. Uh give me a thumbs up in the chat. We are live. We are talking about Warren Buffett um who recently disclosed that his company Berkshire Hathaway has taken a position in Chevron. Um Hyperchange, you know, investing in the future you believe in, going for the sustainable future. Obviously beefing with this. I've you know, Warren Buffett, someone I've said who is an idol of mine. Um, So when I looked up to, I've recommended his book, The Snowball on this channel. He's what got me into investing. This whole concept of compounding your wealth, value investing. I believe all all investing is value investing. Um, I think investing in Tesla is value investing. And I just think this is a huge moment in financial history. And it's kind of a slice of time that I wanted to magnify to share a lot of thoughts about how we think about investing, what is the point of investing, why do we invest, you know, just the whole way that works. I think there's so much to dissect here because Warren Buffett, um, you know, he's 90 years old or something like that. He pioneered value investing. He was a student of uh, Benjamin Graham, who I believe was a professor at Columbia University, wrote, um, you know, the Bible of, of value investing. I'm like blanking on the name right now, but um, um, the intelligent investor. And so Warren Buffett really is almost thought of like, like when you think of like Aristotle or Socrates and these people who like shaped philosophy, you know, Warren Buffett truly shaped philosophy about investing in financial markets and that's why I think he's an idol of so many people, this idea of compounding wealth. He was only worth a couple billion in his 60s, but now he's worth like, you know, was one of the richest people on the planet um, just by rolling his snowball, practicing compounding, buying the right business at the right, you know, businesses at a cheap price. Um, He has so many sayings and you know, just pioneered this sort of finding discrepancies in value in the stock market and maximizing it. And that is incredible. And that's, you know, all value investing is, is value investing. I think innovation is significantly underpriced in the public markets. You can find CEOs building amazing technology companies with the world connected, growing faster than we would have ever have imagined in history, um, and invest in them. And the market doesn't appreciate it. And you have huge opportunity to make all of this money. So I think investing in technology companies is as much value investing um, as Warren Buffett does. But we got this news, guys. This is This is so whack because um, he was building up a large position. This isn't a small position. This was $4.1 billion. Some people were actually speculating it was Tesla. I made a video about it. I mean, for those who know about hyperchange, in 2017 or 2018, I believe, I put out a video saying Warren Buffett should buy 5% of Tesla or invest $5 in Tesla at about um, uh, $300 per share pre-split. So it's like 60 bucks a share. Would have gone up more than 10x. Um, I thought it would have hedged against so many parts of his business that I think are liable for disruption um, due to Tesla, which we're going to get into um, today. So I've been pounding the table being like, Warren Buffett, buy Tesla, buy Tesla, buy Tesla. This is the future. We're all going electric. It's the next great American brand. And then next thing you know, um, he bought Chevron. That's what came out today. And so this like, I guess it's not that much news. Like we know Warren Buffett's the goat. We know he's old school. We know he likes value investing, cheap companies. That's what he saw in Chevron. But a part of me just almost felt like I died today because it's just like, dude, Warren Buffett, like, like, I don't know. I just think there's a there's such a disconnect that really frustrated me about investing. Where are we investing just to make money, and are we literally looking at every business on a spreadsheet that exists in this world that we don't think we personally live in, or do we want to invest in the future we believe in and invest in companies that are changing the world and building it to something we want? Um, and I just think that's such an important precedent to set, and that's something that I pound the table on with my channel on: is invest in the future you believe in. And I think there's a huge paradigm. Like I left New York City, um, and I think one of the reasons I left was because of this mindset of every. Everyone there just literally invests to make money. They just live on a spreadsheet. I don't give a crap what business I'm buying. I just want that my investment to go up the most as possible. You know, it's just about me, my perspective, not about what's good for the planet, not a systems approach, not thinking about other stakeholders. And um, I just think that's such a wrong mentality. And I think everything about Buffett buying Chevron now leans into that mentality. And that's why it's so frustrating to me. And I kind of want to make this video to talk about, you know, how I think uh, the millennial generation and Gen Z we're changing the perception of what a company is and what value is. I mean, this goes so deep. Um, you know, when you think about just beyond oil, the fact that Warren Buffett looked at financial statements to judge companies, you know, in the 50s and 60s, when he was grabbing an SEC filing, he had to like mail in to get an SEC filing. He's just looking at the stocks with the cheapest PE ratio that are solid businesses that are making cash flow that nobody else can find because the internet doesn't exist and buying them. He was looking in the, you know, rear view mirror at financial statements to understand businesses, which is still an important building block of how we do it. But I think Wall Street and the whole financial system is way too involved in reading financial statements and trying to, you know, living on Excel to try and understand a business when so much of business is just people and products. And to really understand a business, you got to spend time with people and the products. And I think um, there's been a whole shift in this mentality of investing from instead of looking at the rear view mirror being like, wait, Um, and I think, Tesla perfectly embodied this. That's why this discussion to me is so fascinating is Tesla had bad financial statements. I mean, they were losing a bunch of money. You know, we all kept pounding the table being like, have you ever tried to build, you know, a hundred thousand electric cars or a million electric cars? Oh, thanks for the super chat. Um, You're going to require billions of dollars up front. And so that's why they're losing money now, because we're spending up front to make the profit later. But everyone in Wall Street, like it sounds so simple now. I know this sounds like ridiculously simple, but I think that was the biggest misstep of, of why Wall Street didn't get Tesla because it wasn't going the profits weren't going up in a straight line. And so um, this entire way that you would understand Tesla was looking ahead at the technology, at the disruption, you know, betting on a market that didn't exist yet, electric cars. There was only, you know, a handful of a few thousand electric cars sold every year. Why would you bet, you know, pay top dollar uh, premium valuation multiple? for a company that's already priced in to be 10 times bigger than its market makes no sense unless you think, you know, forward instead of looking backwards. So I think everything about Warren Buffett's Chevron investment is looking in the rearview mirror at a business that used to be profitable, that used to look good, um, and now is just frankly dying. Um, and I think you can you can even take a look at, um, we, I, I have hyper charts here, Um pulled up for chevron which i think is hilarious oh this is actually one thing i wanted to show y'all first is this is uh berkshire hathaway stock against the s p 500 um which i think is really interesting because warren buffett as much as he's sort of like an idol of ours has kind of been underperforming for years and has actually underperformed the s p in the past five years and in the past 10 years and in the past two years and in the past one year so warren buffett has chronically performed the I say buying berkshire hathaway is basically like buying the s p 500 without the good tech stocks like it's that's basically what it is um and yeah i think the only good tech the tech stocks are where all the value is and that's why the company's underperformed so this isn't me crazy talking about warren buffett's looking in the rearview mirror but um i really think there's you know an element to all of this that is uh I'm gonna pull up the, the the financials of Chevron just so we can go through the numbers with y'all to show you. Um, this is what Chevron's financials are. As you can see, it has been declining dramatically because of coronavirus, and even before the coronavirus it was already shrinking as a company, profitability getting hit. Um, this trajectory of constantly growing and expanding has finally been hit, and you have a significantly more expensive company now that is just you know, I mean, these financials speak for themselves. It was an awful year. They finally lost money and Chevron still pays a dividend. And so that's what's so interesting about these stocks. We can get into this part of the theory is, you know, most people holding Chevron stock are holding it because of the dividend, which is so fascinating because they're not looking at the financial statements. They're just expecting to get this payout. And so then the second that payout stops, all the shareholders freak out because they're not getting a dividend and the stock just crumbles. And so the problem with companies like Chevron is they're in this dividend aristocrats Sort of bucket of these companies who have raised their dividend for you know decades and never not raise their dividend, and so investors like kind of just give them all this benefit of the doubt and brand equity that the dividend will continue. Um, and so, but now that that whole dividend, I think the principle of Exxon being profitable is changing. As you saw their financials, they're losing money now. Um, I think that entire theory and just. It, it's a massive house of cards, I think, and it's been significantly overinflated because the dividend has propped up the valuation and has sort of protected them from true financial analysis. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it's fascinating, and I do think we're still going to need to rely on oil for you know the next decade or two as we transition to electric vehicles. But what I think is so important is the idea about investing in things that are awesome and sustainable in the future, like, you know, forward thinking endowments are divesting from fossil fuels, you know, forward thinking, uh, you know, sovereign wealth funds are divesting from even Saudi Arabia's, like divesting from fossil fuels, like, you know what I mean? Like they're the king of oil. That's the other thing of why I think Chevron and a lot of these oil companies are just frankly horrible economic propositions. I mean, you're not competing in the free market against other oil companies that are small. You're competing against nation states with far lower costs of capital, far lower extraction costs than you. I mean, I think as the demand for oil dwindles, you get a significant pricing war going on where nation states gets more desperate and cut costs dramatically. And you have a decades long, you know, price sink for oil as as demand is frankly falling and supply is, is, is overblown. And then what does that create? That creates all the companies are going bankrupt way before the nation states do because they can just hold on longer. So I think that's another fasting proposition of where like, it just makes so little sense on so many levels, but... Getting back to the important positivity part of this, um, I just think it's so important that Us as sort of young investors and people looking at the markets now make this connection that I'm putting my money. Like, I feel like we lost the idea of like, what is investing? Like, it's like, okay, like I'm in this, my little town. I see a guy down the street who's like got an idea. He's in his garage. He's like scheming and tinkering. He's like, yo, I'm like so close to building my prototype and my thing, but I just need a couple hundred more bucks to get this part. And I already maxed out all my own money. And if you give me that couple hundred bucks, I can actually build this product and then we can actually bring it to the world. And then you, you know, and you're like, wait, that's going to be a dope thing. I want to give that, you know, I want to see that product spread. I want to see this change occur. And that's why you invest in something. You invest in the future you believe in and you actually invest in businesses to to create them. And so I think we've totally lost that concept. And that's why, you know, getting this Buffett Wall Street mentality of like, it's just a spreadsheet, businesses on a spreadsheet, how do we make the most money is such a backwards way of looking at companies. Um, and I even wonder like in the future, you know, money is just a symptom of like, okay, the, the company generates money so we can have money so we can get stuff. Well, what if we just want the stuff the company's building? You know, I'm a Tesla shareholder. Most of the stuff I want is just stuff that Tesla's building. What's the point of cashing it into fiat and then paying Tesla in fiat? Like is the future of, you know, like, like, should I be an investor in a company to use their service? Like, I don't know. I think there's a real... Um, kind of awakening occurring at where we're actually realizing that these aren't just spreadsheets, there's actually a business behind every stock and those businesses are all totally different and they're all doing things in the world and, you know, the stock market is a very real way that we dictate the way those businesses change the real world. Like, if we're continue to giving Chevron capital to do new projects, they're just going to keep drilling oil. But if we all stop funding them to give them new projects, then they won't. And I don't know, this is the part of the, the world that really frustrates me is like, negative externalities. This is the thing that I think is the biggest problem that I will face in my lifetime and all of us will face is companies like Chevron that are polluting don't pay for that pollution. It's an externality of their business model that they don't actually see. So there's all of these negative externalities. Like I like to say the Starbucks um, example, even Starbucks. I love Starbucks. I'm a Seattle guy. But like every time I get a cut from Starbucks and I throw it away, I feel like I didn't pay for the, to throw away that cup. Starbucks didn't pay to throw away that cup. We're just piling it up somewhere and just, you know, have dedicated some portion of land to composting that cup. So I think there's so many negative externalities that like companies like Chevron and Exxon have done um, it, with just fossil fuel pollution, with destroying the natural environment, with going into, you know, smaller countries who don't know what's happening and taking advantage of local people, just taking their land and saying, we're going to do it for oil, not giving them the money they promised. Like, this is what these companies do. It's literally, literally, they're in the business of exploiting the world's beautiful natural resources, ruining them, spilling half of them in the ocean, and then selling it for profit. Like, it's so despicable. And I think almost to the point where we have so much new technology occurring and it's so critical that we invest in new technology, I think in retrospect, it would be criminal to continue funding these oil enterprises. I'm a huge proponent of an oil carbon tax. I mean, I think there's all of the, that to me, that's the biggest way to fix these negative externalities. We're all, we're like a swiping like a credit card for our future that all of our children are going to have to pay for by just polluting and then letting them deal with it in 50 years. Like I think that's, it's going to look back, we're going to look back and say that that's criminal. And so that's why I think it's horrible to be be funding these enterprises and for people like Buffett sure he'll be dead by the time any of this matters but you know don't you want your legacy to outlive your life like I think it's just so sad to me that people don't invest like I don't know I, I just think that the, the carbon tax thing the fact that that's controversial blows my mind because I think it's such a short-term cited thing like the obvious profitable net present value for humanity is to invest in clean energy as fast as possible that is it just makes mathematical sense. Um, And that's why I also think if I was the US government right now and we had 0% interest rates, I'm issuing 100-year bonds for 1% interest rate. I'm issuing trillions of dollars of bond to reinvent our entire energy infrastructure to go sustainable and renewable right now. I don't know why we're not accessing the capital markets. Look at what China's done. They're literally building as much, like, you know all those stats about China using more concrete than the US did in like all, you know, decades in like one year? Yeah, maybe China's overbuilding, but they're also taking advantage of massive, cheap capital that they can literally print off a printing press to build the real world physical assets a genius move and nobody in our government can figure that out and so when I look at I don't know. It's just I'm getting a little off track here, but it's just so disappointing to me that the U.S. isn't run as efficiently as some of our world-leading companies like Amazon or Tesla. You know, imagine if we had that same sort of strategic direction and organization at our government. Um, I think that would be huge. But um, I don't know. So I just see this as a symptom of so much of what is wrong with the world. And I kind of wanted to use my platform to speak out and be like, yeah, it's really whack to invest in oil companies. I got my grandma. Shout out to Grammy. She's awesome. Um, she was invested in oil companies, had a bunch of dividend stocks, but I just kept annoying her about it. And I was like, yo, this is whack. Like, I wanted to not live in an oil world. Like, come on. And so, you know, step by step, you change people's minds. Now, Grammy's divested from fossil fuels. It's a shame she's so far ahead of Warren Buffett. And, but you know what I mean? Like, but um, yeah, so I don't know. I've, you know, and and it's also sad because it's like the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. Like <laughs> Warren Buffett is doing this to make money. Like he's putting profit over people in the planet, and yet he's not gonna make any money. Like this is the dumbest investment ever. So I if you're an investor in Berkshire Hathaway, so Berkshire Hathaway, the company that Warren Buffett owns, this multi-hundred billion conglomerate, they have the Omaha, the Super Bowl for investors where everyone goes in Omaha. They didn't I don't think they had it this year because of COVID, but it, it was incredible, and everyone in finance looks up to it and is the goat. And it's this kind of mecca of finance. But when you actually look at what Berkshire Hathaway has become from a basket of assets, this is garbo. Like the actual assets that that Warren Buffett owns, it's all these super low IRR, like real world physical businesses that are locked in, that are just literally just waiting to be disrupted. Like, um, so actually, I don't know if this will be too boring, but I did pull up um the ten K. So this is the latest SEC filing, annual filing for Berkshire Hathaway. To just go through and show you what's in the beast, what is Warren Buffett actually scheming on, um, we can check this out. So um, this is, and this is the 2019 one because the 2021 hasn't come out yet. So this right here is their investment portion. So these are the investments they hold. We hold 15 common stock investments um, at year end. Um, Anyway, yeah, so these are some of the investments they had, not businesses they own. But what I thought was funny to point out here, and I just scrolled past this as a random uh, thought, was that... um it's all financial institutions. Like I used to think Buffett was a joke because I'm like, okay, well, guess what? Geico's getting disrupted by Tesla. McLean's getting disrupted by Tesla. All of his energy assets are getting dis- disrupted by Tesla. So what's he doing with the profits of these you know, criminal energy businesses? What is he doing with those? Oh, he's buying financial companies. He's buying American Express, Bank of America, the Bank of New York Mellon, You know, a cable company, Charter Communications, Coca-Cola, selling sugar water, Delta Airlines, burning fossil fuels. I mean, Delta Airlines is solid, I actually like Delta, but still, Goldman Sachs. I mean, we know they're getting destroyed. Like, JP Morgan, Moody's, literally selling ratings for profit, just the most unethical business that should not be a for-profit business at all. Like, he's also milking that. Um, Southwest Airlines, Continental. It's interesting that he's got so many airlines. Um, but it's not like he's buying airlines and pushing them to go green. He's buying airlines and probably delaying their green projects to maximize cash flow, knowing how he works. And then you got Visa and Wells Fargo. So everything he's doing is not is going to get disrupted by Bitcoin, Stripe, or yeah pretty much Bitcoin or Stripe or Square are going to disrupt every single company that he's invested in. So it's even funny because the profits, you know, you know, there's only so many profits that are going to come from Buffett's dying empire here. And so what he does with those profits will dictate the future of how his empire and legacy unfold in the next 50 years. So that's why me pounding the table saying we should probably invest in Tesla at $50 billion, you know, that's the kind of shit that would have saved him. You know, we should probably invest in Bitcoin instead of buying Wells Fargo, dude. Like, it's just kind of a no-brainer here. I mean, but that's what Warren Buffett is doing, and I think it's so funny and ironic that he's still thought of as this incredible thought leader and that Berkshire Hathaway is still thought of as this incredible business when it's just a collection of Garbo assets. And. I, you know when i was actually t- uh, pitching him to buy tesla i went through shout out to k-bone we spent like days pouring through the sec filings just to realize just to be blown away at how many businesses um actually are affected by by tesla that tesla is going to disrupt so one of his most famous businesses is geico government employee insurance and i'm scrolling through the 10k if you see my eyes i'm going to find some good parts of it some juicy stuff here but geico is all car insurance? So the entire car insurance business. Had, so okay, if I'm in a meeting with, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn on my, uh, my scheme hat to be in a meeting with Berkshire right now to tell them, okay, Geico, this is one of our largest investments. Geico is an entire data business. Yes, it's insurance, but it's really all about data. All our profits and cash flow and competitive advantage are moat so to speak, all relies on the data we have and how we analyze and interpret that data to give the best and most accurate rates for drivers. There's an impending massive disruption to the data flow of the entire vehicle insurance market. And it's because cars are not these legacy boxes, these, these clunkers filled with fossil fuel burning stuff. They're actually computers on wheels. And there's a two-way data flow over the air with this company called Tesla that's basically like Apple, but your car. And that literally is tracking how I move the wheel, how I press the brake, when I disengage autopilot. Probably a 10 times is probably a joke. It's probably a thousand times more data than your crappy Toyota is getting, I mean, to send back to Geico. So we have a massive double order of magnitude disruption in the data flow in the vehicle industry, which is the single moat that you have as a company. So if I was Geico, I don't even know what I would do. I would have bought you have to be, you know, why is Tesla building their own in-house insurance company? Why is Rivian, the other number two dope EV startup, building their own in-house insurance company? Because they know the future is autonomous. It will be proprietarily insured by the OEM operator. So nobody's going to have a third-party vehicle insurance that's totally dying and going away. You're going to use Tesla insurance because half the time you're driving, the car's going to be driving itself and that liability needs to go on to Tesla. So they have to build out this in, uh, in-house insurance software suite. So this is an inevitability that your business is literally getting less relevant by the day. I mean, it's it's a joke. Like it actually just cracks me up that this is even a conversation because the amount of data in your Tesla, like it's literally all a computer, and then you go into like these crappy old school cars, and it's like a clunky analog device. Like to think that you will compete on that level is just like it's a joke. Some of these conversations at, at the Berkshire boardroom, and so I think the autonomous, like like are they even going to risk autonomous vehicles as a, as a risk factor in their SEC filing for Geico? Probably not. So there's so many different um. Um, Fascinating ways that I think Elon Musk's empire is totally going to put Warren Buffett's, you know, basically everything that he's doing out of business. Um, I think it was like 50% of his revenue. So another big business he operates is McLean. McLean is a trucking company here. Um, They're a huge company. They basically, you know, distribution services in all 50 states. 7-Eleven, yum brands, basically distributing like really crappy food to all these fast food restaurants. Um, and it's like burning fossil fuels to do it. And so it's a it's a logistics network. And so when I think about a logistics network, I think the first thing being disrupted by a logistics ne- network is electric autonomous semi-trucks. Wonder who's building those. So the amount of, bu- of businesses that we could just walk through, Berkshire Hathaway Automotive, one of the largest automotive retailers in the country, J- great business, 106 vehicle franchises through 82. Sh- dealerships. I mean, this is an absolute joke. Um, we all know dealerships make money by your cars breaking. They hate selling electric cars. Every new vehicle startup that is taking off right now is going direct to consumer, not relying on dealerships. The fact that Warren Buffett owns this and was invested, I mean, it's like you couldn't, like, I actually think you couldn't pick a worse basket of businesses oh the home furnishing business in nebraska great because we all know that that furniture stores are not getting disrupted um and middlemen who distribute furniture is such a great business instead of going direct to consumer with all these new furniture startups like like this is like oh jordan operates a retail furniture business from six locations with seven hundred seventy thousand square feet of what's about to be a totally useless retail space you know um so i think berkshire hathaway is probably rated an a plus asset i think this is going you know i don't know i it's, I don't want to trash on it too hard, but I, my point is, is once you actually start looking at these businesses and what Buffett owns, I'm trying to find the actual uh, sort of breakdown of the revenues of this because it'll blow your mind of how much of this is from GEICO and from McLean and from all of these businesses that you can tell are just ripe for disruption. The other big thing he's been pushing into is energy. I think he bought a bought a big oil and gas company recently, even beyond Chevron. Um, And so, oh, railroad, that's another one. So the railroad pretty much uh Okay. So the railroad is is Burlington Northern. So this railroad he bought, I think is the most genius asset that he owns. He should be immediately partnering with Elon Musk to start building out a Hyperloop or some sort of boring company tunnel to advance and upgrade this railroad infrastructure. Because I think the hardest part about a railroad is the land, right? Like how do we get one piece of land that goes all the way through the country? Like that's ridiculous. And so that is an incredible asset that they have that they've just done nothing with to not modernize, to milk cash flow, And it's about to get disrupted because they've taken so long that the next platform technology is about to come out, and that's autonomous semi-trucks. What did Elon Musk say about the Tesla semi that's so incredible? It's going to make autonomous, it's going to make freight so much cheaper, it's going to compete with rail. The rail market is going to shrink because electric autonomous semi-trucks are going to be so much cheaper, you're not even going to want to ship stuff on a train anymore or railroad. So the amount, you know, I could spend hours doing this, um, but the amount of, yeah, Railroads up 5%. They're saying that's great. So, I don't know. Um, insurance underwriting, the amount of insurance businesses. I mean, I... Uh, wow. Oh, sorry. I should, I should let you all look about this. All right. If you have any questions, let me know. But... Um, wow. Yeah. So, this is all the insurance business, railroad business, utilities and energy business. Um, so anyway, I kind of wanted to end on maybe, maybe like some good notes about Buffett. So I think one thing that Buffett brought to the markets, um, which actually I think everybody could use a reminder of today is value investing. There's a company behind every stock. So, you know, and I think all investing is value investing. And I think this is such an important concept. And it's why, even though I'm hyperchanged and I'm going to hate on Buffett, Uh, or his investments, I love Buffett as a person, I guess, but um, is because, you know, he's doing value investing or he's trying to do it his way, but all investing is value investing. I think this is such an, like, you know, I think Tesla was undervalued. I just thought of the value a totally different way than reading the financial statements because I think that's kind of archaic. So, you know, the ways in which we determine value, the ways in which markets perceive value will change, but all investing is value investing. Um, and so I, I think that is, to me, the lesson that Warren Buffett has Im- imbued on markets and everyone is that, I don't know, um, you know, price matters. And I think too many people who are getting into the stock market, getting into crypto, getting into GameStop, that's dope, but do you know what the market cap of GameStop is? Do you know what the market cap of your crypto assets are? Like, I don't know. I think there's, you know, not enough people still understand the true value of what they're investing in, and that concept. And so, I think the that will go down at in all time and forever. And that's why I credit all my investing success to Warren Buffett, honestly, or so much of it. Like he gave me my investing philosophy, that you know was is the reason why. Um, I found Tesla because I realized there was value that was being mispriced, and I think the greatest thing happening in public markets right now, which um, you know is value investing, Buffett just doesn't see it, and unfortunately is not is on the wrong side of it. Is that innovation is massively underpriced, and uh, stagnancy, or I guess like companies being fat, bloated, and not innovating, is severely overpriced. Like cash flow is significantly like people put placed way too much emphasis on profitability and cash flow which first of all can be super manipulated by accountants um and just yeah i i don't know so i think there's and it's interesting because, you know, do, do companies in the future even make profit? This is something I struggle with a lot. Like, like, what's the point, like, will Tesla ever make a profit or will they just keep expanding? I mean, look at what Amazon's done. They didn't make a profit for 20 years. They still haven't paid a dividend um, and they're totally changing the norm. And they had this massive arbitrage where they didn't have to pay taxes to compete with Walmart because they weren't being profitable. They were just reinvesting everything. And so I wonder if that's a symptom of extremely low interest rates that every single company on the planet right now just decides to um, invest and not pay out shareholders but that's something i think a lot about and i would love like those are the things that i want to talk to buffett about it's like you know where does he see that going does he see the pendulum swinging back with interest rates going higher and markets normalizing and pe's you know equalizing and calibrating or are we just in uncharted territory here is the fiat system you know definitely broken in the fact that we have negative interest rates that are coming up the the spiral of us accelerating dilution of fiat and printing more and more will just continue to accelerate Um, is that the weird wacky dystopian financial future we live in where half our transactions are in dogecoin um, that seems almost more likely than what I would well, then, you know, these old people saying interest rates are going to mount back. The Fed's got the control on the economy. Um, if anything has happened recently, like Tesla's buying Bitcoin, um, all these people are buying Bitcoin. It's totally set off the domino effect. It's that, you know, people are not waiting around. I think we're, we're clear, and it's, it's decentralized. We're seeing the erosion of trust in the fiat system and legacy institutions erode at an accelerating clip. And I see no fundamental reason for that to reverse. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's almost like Warren Buffett buying Chevron is like the last like nail in the coffin of Wall Street dying, you know? The last decade or century of Wall Street di- is dead. Like, nobody gives a shit about what CNBC thinks. You know, nobody's reading financial statements the same way. Nobody cares about the book ratio. We all knew that was happening, but it feels like Warren Buffett making his probably what's going to be one of his worst investment decisions ever in buying chevron is like cementing that um and just how lack of forward thinking it is like i don't know it's just i i I really hope that like there's billions of dollars is so much money like how many people's lives could you affect how many startups could you fund how many little projects and ideas could you do how many like could you could you pay a company to clean up your local lake could you pay somebody to You know pick up trash in your neighborhood could you fund some schemer who has a dope new idea and project or sustainability thing like how much could we do with a billion dollars like it's unbelievable what you could do with that and so tens of billions whatever warren buffett has and his isn't like elon musk where it's locked up in companies his is actually sitting there ready to invest and what is he doing he's like i'm gonna buy chevron four billion worth of chevron i'm gonna buy billions worth of Wells Fargo, just like the dumbest ideas and just such a waste of capital. Like, like Warren Buffett's legacy could have been incredible if he had used all of this money and capital to change the world, to push it forward, to make his mark, not to just milk profits um, from dying businesses that we all know are killing the planet and ruining our future. Like that's just so, it's just, I actually think it will go down as almost borderline criminal and definitely immoral. And will permanently scar his legacy. Which is one reason I'm really trying to get loud about this idea. Because it's like, bro, like, turn around. Like, turn it around. Like, I don't know. Like, look at what, you know, people like Dave Portnoy. They're ridiculous. But look about the Barstool Fund. That's so dope. You know, look about Elon Musk donating $100 to a carbon capture prize to get shit done. Like, this is the new wave of billionaires um, that I think is super duper inspiring and gets me pumped. And I think um, the kind of, you know, activist investor, which was one something, um, I think we're going to, like, the activist investor on another level, where it's like we're activist investors in like changing our investments in a good way for the world, not just to maximize profit. This systems approach that every company you know operates in a world with everyone else, and all these humans, and all these other companies, and all these animals, and and nature, and wildlife, and space, and the planet. And there's all these stakeholders and facets we have to consider, not just how can I make the most profit for myself. What is the world going to just burn down? We're like, yo, Chevron's going to the moon. We still use Geico, even though Tesla Insurance was safer. But you know what? We all bought Berkshire stock, and Berkshire stock is worth a billion a share right now. Yeah, everyone has it, and a coffee costs ten billion dollars. But dude, Berkshire stock went to a billion. You know how much shareholder wealth we created? Like that's the world I see we're going. Like the world's just dying. Asteroids are hitting it. There's smoke everywhere. Like everything's gray and just desolate in this apocalypse. We're like, dude, (laughs) Berkshire stock's going up. (laughs) Look at Robinhood. It's like that's where we're going, bro. Like that just that just sucks. And so. That's why I'm like, bro, whack. Like, have you guys seen the movie Idiocracy? This movie's is hilarious. It, I, if, I, if I can give you homework, it's to go watch Idiocracy. This is a movie about the future and how, like, we all start buying stock in this company called Bronto, which makes, like, the Gatorade or, like, Mountain Dew, and then they start feeding their crops with Bronto because that'll be an expansion. Then the crops start dying, but they can't give them water because then Bronto stock will go down. So everybody's, like, dying and only drinks Bronto, and Bronto takes over the world eventually. But it's like, you know, that's where we're going with all this. If, if people stop just don't just look at the spreadsheet about how much money they're making not actually thinking about things and so I'm dope. I have a lot of hope, though, because Wall Street didn't want Tesla to win. Warren Buffett, you know, the people with billions of dollars who could have backed an inspiring, exciting future didn't. They dropped the ball. But guess who picked it up? All of us, all the retail investors, all the little guys who actually gave a shit. We picked up the ball. We bought Tesla stock. We created a liquid market to where Elon Musk could raise the billions of dollars needed to get those cars out the door to actually change the world. Buffett, he didn't do shit. He was buying Chevron stock two years after that happened. That's how it's going to go down. And it's like, bro, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I actually have a lot of hope and optimism about the future because of what I've seen in the Internet and, um, and just how I see all these young hustlers, all these young YouTubers who have stock channels um, that are talking about you know investing in EV companies. spack mania is some BS. I hate the fact that all these whack Garbo companies are spacking, and that a lot of these VCs are dumping their losers onto the public market. But guess what? It's a symptom of euphoria. And that euphoria is because humans want to fund a sustainable future. We want to fund electric vehicle companies. There's billions of dollars of pent up capital that wants to fund this future because we know it's where the world's headed. And I love that enthusiasm. And I I think um, Tesla created that and it, it's it, the cat's out of the bag. That's just what's happening now. And I think p- people are investing in the future they believe in. Buffett still hasn't got the memo, but everyone else has. And and we're actually making money doing it. And so, um, yeah, it just sucks that Buffett's on the losing side of this. So, you know, like... Um, and, and like how many, so Tesla went out from $50 billion to almost a trillion dollars of, of market cap, that's $950 billion of wealth creation or whatever. Um, but and, and instead of that going to Goldman Sachs, to Wall Street, to David Einhorn, to Jim Chinos, they ended up paying us billions of dollars and the stock soared as they covered their short positions and it created, you know, thousands of millionaires instead of making billionaires into tens of billionaires. And so that's to me what also gets me so pumped about Tesla, because what's the butterfly effect of that? What are all these millionaires instead of being, you know, some old billionaire who got a couple more billionaires? still not doing shit with it now we got all these young kids who didn't have a a million bucks but had a million ideas and now they have the million bucks to execute those you know that's awesome so I'm actually more optimistic in the future than ever Um, it just sucks that Buffett's the butt of the joke that's all I feel like I'm kind of ending my rant on a good point right now Um, I love y'all thanks for tuning in I think you know um, I don't know part of me is like dude karma is real like the amount I, I I always I didn't really think I was gonna make any money in Tesla. I was just like, bro, like we need this. This is like our hail mary at the future, is actually Tesla winning and and this genius guy like selling coming up with the technology out of thin air to sell millions of EVs. So we just happen to go green and making them dope enough to where everyone buys them. Like the chance of that happening just we need a hail mary, bro. Like we needed a hail mary to save the planet, and Tesla did it. So like I can't I can't wait to see. I feel like we haven't seen the people that Elon Musk has inspired come out with their ideas yet. So I really can't wait to see what that is, you know, like, yeah, okay, electric cars, going to space. Those are such big ideas. Neuralink, such big ideas. I hope that Elon Musk is not um, an outlier and an outsider for those ideas, um, but that he inspires, you know, dozens or, or hundreds or thousands of more of these kind of iconic entrepreneurs to push these ideas um, where, where the mission of the company is 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 to help the planet and to help humanity is and not to just make profit. Um, I really hope that, that Elon has inspired that change. Um, because um, yeah otherwise we're just gonna all end up with Bronto Berkshire stocks and be at a billion but the world's gonna be burning <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's like um, like oh man um, anyway I hope y'all have an amazing day this is my rant this is hyper change um, I'm doing some beta testing on our new merch I couldn't t- tell if you do this we got initial hat offering coming up it's got some nice shine to it um, but y'all are all awesome Invest in the future you believe in. Stay tuned. The, that thing you just went to Mars today, like, dude, how epic is that? This thing he landed on Mars, Elon's scheming on Mars. Um, it's epic. Anyway, I hope y'all are staying safe. Good vibes. Peace out.